This is the Straight Dope, episode 52, the space-time continuum. I'm going to talk a little bit about what's happened this last month. I had fewer podcasts, had some more classes, some coaching, had a couple competitions, and some thoughts about training and adaptation that I want to talk to you about. But if this podcast is serving you well and you're starting to see progress towards your goals, uh, consider going over to riflecraft.com and getting a subscription. You help out the podcast, you help out the website, you help out further development of what we're doing here, and it gives you analytics and metrics that you don't get with the free account. It helps just about everything, and for less than it would cost to allow me to shoot a mag of your ammo, uh, you can keep funding this project. Voting with your, your wallet that way means a lot to me. I notice it, and it helps push this project forward. We're always adding layers to the subscription uh, aspect. I've been sending out emails and training tips to them directly to you subscribers. If you're a subscriber and you haven't got it, check your junk box. It might be coming from data at riflecraft or Chris Arway at Gmail. There's a couple of accounts that it's going to be coming out of to you. So if you if you are a subscriber, uh, you should have three or four emails uh, about specific training content that that that's somewhere uh, out there in the email system. But anyway, let's get back to this. Um, space-time idea of adaptation. I, w- I was driving home from a match and I was thinking about, um, you know, having a goal and having where you are and how do you get from where you are to where you want to be without change. And that just doesn't happen. So the idea of adaptation uh, started to circle in my brain and I, I just keep thinking about it. And rather than do what you hear some guys do, which is basically like read you back a matchbook from a, you know, it's like, shit, I wasn't there. I don't want to hear about any of that. Like, boring as shit. I'm going to talk to you about what I see at some of these matches in terms of adaptation and progress amongst the community of shooters. And we're all psyched for each other, but you could tell who's been doing what by their performance at some of these field matches. And you can see that the the, the time, you know, the time between matches and the change that's needed to change those particular elements becomes really important when you're reflecting on your skill sets and the performance of where you want to be um, and then and then the time and the focus that you put in to actually changing those things, right? Because you know, I think the default, you could say like, well, you know, I went to a match and I sucked. So, well, you know, I'm going to buy a foundation stock and a tangent scope and an impact action. You know, I'm going to drop 10,000 bucks just to realize that like nothing changed, right? And people could tell you to do that, you know, and it's, and it's nice, expensive equipment, but it's not going to make you a better shooter at all, right? So, you know, what, what is it that you need to do to adapt to the goals? Well, it depends on your particular goals. And that caused me to kind of see this circular pattern among shooting. And, and, and I, w- I related it back to skateboarding. And I was never like the world's greatest skateboarder, but I was surrounded by a lot of good skateboarders. And, and I kind of um, think of some of these shooting matches as these realms of like, um, I really like street skating but if if you boil it down like you know and 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 i draw the parallels between like skateboarding and shooting you know at at some point people were skateboarding all over the place and then things got more and more specialized and all of a sudden you know half pipes popped up and 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 you got these very specialized um things that allow some skaters that are into that to like you know do fancy things and you take good pictures and and the media that comes out of that stuff you know at least at the beginning was way better than everything else. And I think that, that like the, the, the parallel between skateboarding and shooting is that like the PRS is basically a copy of riding in a half pipe. But most of us don't identify directly with just riding in a half pipe. 
So, you know, then that extended out to skate parks. But, you know, you can have some vert and some bull, you know, you've got a lot more dynamic interactions. And I think that's where, like, the the hunter-style matches are like skate parks, you know. And you might have elements of, of half pipes and vert ramps, but you've got this dynamic, um, you have to adapt to the terrain, you know, and then and then outside from that, you go back to kind of more of an old school approach, which is just just street skating, where you know you might have rails or steps or gaps to jump here, but then you gotta skate a few blocks or or maybe even farther to get to another obstacle or or statue or building or parking garage or something like that. But you know, there's an element of travel and it's not consolidated, and that's more like the CD style shooting venues. But in order to get good at any one of them. You know, not only do you have to experience it, but you have to be able to see the the gaps between your skill sets and then the application that you're going to go to. And for me, there's a space time gap, and I'm not that into just you know trying to be Tony Hawk. I would rather be able to kind of go anywhere and do anything. So I identify as a skater, like definitely way more on the street side, and dabble maybe in skate parks, but. Um, you know, but it's good to try everything else because if you can't drop into a big ramp, then, you know, that's a skill set that you need to work on. Well, competition dynamics kind of bridges the gap kind of between park and street in the shooting world because you've got these venues that that um, have more or less developed shooting terrain and they create events where you adapt and you might have to shoot pistol. You might have to run between stages. It might be timed. It might not. You might have to locate your targets. They might point out your targets to you. But you have to have control and a grip on a wide variety of skills to perform well. And this last match that we went to, uh, the pistol skill level that was required to be at the top was just out of reach. And uh, another team that emphasized and really put a lot of dedicated work into that pistol uh, training. Not only are they remarkable rifle shooters and field shooters, but they really raised the game in their pistol and it paid dividends for them. And I think that's really cool. But to have that kind of foresight of, you know, I, I've got this set of skills, but here's a weak element. I need to bring that weak element up and then maybe a little bit beyond so that my overall ability is higher. That hedges bets in your favor, no matter what, whether or not there was pistol at the match, they are, are you know, they have better skill sets and better well-rounded skill sets. And that's something that, that, that I respect, but it's also something that, you know, allows you to have a increased track record of success and performance. Seeing that at these matches, because now it's field match season, you know, makes me appreciate the type of person that goes out and does that. And, you know, I think all the top 10 teams at uh, the Burris Team Challenge were people that really prioritize well-rounded field and and not not only field, but but just well-rounded skills. And I think they can hold their own at any style of, of match. And that's why they do well uh, at those. And it's, to me, way more fun to be surrounded by guys that can hold their own anywhere than simply on a vert ramp or simply at a concrete park or something like that. Because, um, you know, sometimes when you're out there skateboarding, you got to dodge cars or, you know, whatever. Um, so let's go back to that skill set and knowing where you are and where you want to be, because that relates back to something that Frank Galley and I developed and have started now, which is the unconventional skill assessment, where we take people and rather than a class, 
where a one-size-kind-of-fits-all approach and you go through a series of standardized checklists and some people absorb some of it and some people don't. We look at each individual and we assess their skills across a variety of dimensions. And then we test them and give them advice on how they could raise those particular personal elements and then give them kind of a, um, a training plan, so to speak, of for you, there's the weaknesses. For you to be- develop those weaknesses, here's some low-hanging fruit that you'd be able to raise those and see what happens. Now, not a lot of time has passed, but that seeing, planning, time change element, right, or, or what I'm just going to call adapt, um, is very important because for you to get better, you need to work on your weaknesses, and that might not be the same as mine. And so going to a generic thing that says, you know, all right, we're all going to tie our shoes this way, and we're all going to load our magazines this way, that's not necessarily going to do much for somebody that already has the basics kind of uh, figured out. But it, it requires identifying what needs to change, and sometimes that, that means identifying where you're actually headed because we're not all headed at the same thing. And then focusing and not copying the herd And it's really easy to fall into a herd mentality and just copying them and doing the same thing. But you end up stagnating and um, not really making progress towards your goal when you're you're doing the kind of herd mentality. Um, You know, everybody's doing this, so I'm going to do this. But, you know, you may or may not actually need it to get better. Um, And and so uh, I'm going to talk to you a little bit about that idea of, of not copying and following the herd and that there are some benefits but there's more drawbacks than benefits. Uh, One thing that was pointed out recently is, you know, people, I mean, I didn't invent shooting paper. Um, You know, I just kind of consolidated a bunch of ideas and came up with the craft drill. And recently, like, you're starting to see more and more people kind of saying like, oh, look, I shoot paper, you know, and here's my dot, and let's analyze the positional shift. Like, that's fucking awesome. I I think that if if you focus, you know, if somebody says, oh, well, I'm going to come up with the world's greatest bipod, and it's like, well, you know, I like Skypods, and they're like, yeah, but I'm, my Skypod is going to have, you know, rounded legs instead of rectangular legs. You know, the, the, a, a person with that mentality is never going to progress forward. Uh, they might kind of dig in, and, and they might be able to sell some bipods, but they're never going to get better at anything because they've stagnated, and they're trying to reinvent the wheel all the time. So I think that there's a, uh, it's really important to know where you're going and don't slow down and stop. And if you need to innovate, innovation is very important. And, you know, sometimes copying things. But if, if all you're going to do is re- reinvent and rebrand everything that everybody's doing now, you're going to stay where we are now. And staying where we are now means you're going to perform the way you do now. And that means that's going to hold you back from the performance level that you aspire towards because all you're doing is reinforcing the current state of affairs. So having that mentality of, what I do now is why I'm where I'm at. Where I'm at isn't where I want to be, so I can't do the things that I do now in order to be where I need to go. And if you're not seeing progress, everything needs to change. And once you start to see progress, you don't need to double or triple it. You need to monitor that progress to make sure it doesn't slow down. If it speeds up, great, but you don't want it to stagnate. And double, triple, quadruple the volume of what you do to progress doesn't always create double, triple, quadruple the success. And so that careful monitoring is important. Again, that circles back to the unconventional skill assessment and some of the coaching that I've been doing. And I want to talk to you a little bit about that because 
you know, really, there's, there's been five people now. But in the last month, three of the five haven't done anything to, you know, they've been training and hopefully they've been working on their individualized training plans. I don't know. I mean, that, that's kind of on them. But two of them actually have. One of them saw an almost 15% increase in their particular um, metric several weeks after saying, you know, exclusively work on this stuff and you'll see a hit percentage increase. And they went to their particular, um, you know, how they measure their success and saw pretty close to a 15% jump in performance. And that, that's incredibly fast. And, you know, I'm psyched, but, but it's like, wow, that, that's pretty cool. Um, now we need to track that over time. And another one had never shot a national match, uh, had shot like two or three local matches, we had a hit percentage thing. We focused on you know the elements that they needed to see on there. They went to a national match, and were top ten at a national match with a hit percentage that was you know nine percent, ten percent higher than their local match baseline that we were using. So it was like holy crap! Like this is really showing positive signs. At least it wasn't the other direction. So two people had over ten percent gains. One of them had never shot a national match and got a top ten. The other one used their particular reference that, that wasn't necessarily that dimension, but saw an increase in, in, in over 10%, under 15% gains in just working those individual things. And I think that focus on where you are and where you need to be is very important, right? If you're driving down the road and there's something in the road, you need to anticipate that in a short amount of time, but that time's not now, I'm going to have to move to the left or to the right or slow down to get around this particular thing if I don't want to hit it. And so seeing where you want to be and making that plan in space time and then adjusting accordingly, everybody's going to adjust in a different way. But if all you do is see down the roads, everybody hits their brake lights, you see brake lights, and then somebody's like, oh, that brake light's brighter than the other brake light. Oh, let's make an even brighter brake light and let's, you know, let's bitch and moan about like, oh, my brake pedals harder to press and and I don't slow down as fast it's like well you know you forget the idea that you were headed somewhere and now you're just um reinforcing all of the shit that caused you to slow down and stop rather than get to where you're headed and so let's focus on being different and to be different you have to change because without change you're going to stay exactly where you are now because you're a representation of the things that you do if you have aspirations to be different, you're going to have to change stuff and not copy the herd. You're going to have to adapt. And to adapt, you have to identify the specific things that need to change and then work on those exclusively. And people that kind of rest on their laurels slowly slip back. And you can see that when you track like the good shooters that have numbers that are out there publicly. You know, it doesn't take long before the people that are, you know, bragging about always being the best are now top you know, 20 and then top 30 and then top 40. And it's like, well, yeah, because, you know, life changes and we adapt. And sometimes those aren't priorities. And sometimes just forgetting that you need to be able to change constantly to adjust towards your new goal. And that new goal down the road is a space-time adjustment. That space-time adjustment requires self-reflection and then identifying the things that have to happen between here and there to get you there efficiently, which is which is pretty cool. It's fun and it's different for everybody. So you need to make your own roadmap and plot points along that roadmap that you individually have to accomplish and not looking at everybody else for what they're doing because what they need isn't necessarily what you need to get there. All right. 
Let's take a break here, and we'll talk a little bit about the Steel Safari that I went to and then the Burris Team Challenge that I went to after that. Steel Safari is an individual event, and you have to walk around and be able to shoot and maintain your equipment. And in these field matches, like, really, it ends up being... Um, you know, you're about you're shooting basically like around a minute, so you don't have to be super fast, but you have to be able to adapt and overcome on the fly and maintain your equipment. And I was shooting a gas gun, and I had some struggles um, keeping my gas gun running for three days in a really dirty environment. I swapped out a lot of stuff, but never really found or diagnosed the actual issue. And I and I think that's uh, something that's worth kind of discussing and not not throwing you know manufacturers under the bus. But but when I reached out to you know, all of the people that I knew that I wanted feedback from to help diagnose that. A lot of the answers were different. And uh, some people were like, hey, check this, check this, check this, change this, change this. And I did all that. And we, we got it running. But some people were like, oh, yeah, it's somebody else's fault. And it's like, man, that, that attitude is not one that, that I particularly like. I like the idea of like diagnosing why and then trying to figure out a way to move forward so that we can prove it again. So that system I worked on, I uh, was able to win uh, that at the steel safari, despite all those issues, but I didn't want to just say, well, my, you know, my rifle has, I'm going to just, you know, swap it out for a different rifle because that offers to use other rifles that, you know, had a, you know, more proven track record of, of performing in the dirt in the field that man, you know, I really want to be able to use this and not have it fail so that my trust and confidence and performance could continue to grow in that precision long range gas gun element. So we went to the, the, the Burris team challenge, which is similar to the steel safari, except that there's two shooters and you run through the field courses. And rather than going from stage to stage and have the stages timed, you ran the course and the course was timed, but the time that you took on each stage didn't matter. So you got hits and then you had overall course time and the overall course, you know, I'm going to just generalize here a little bit, but let's say that the, the field course was a mile and in that mile, you had four positions that you had to locate, range, and engage. Uh, eight targets, four with the gas gunner, eight with the bolt gunner. The gas gunner got unlimited shots. Bolt gunner got one shot per target. So, um, you know, the stress was mixed because the bolt gunner can't miss for good points. But the gas gunner has to be able to engage quickly and give that bolt gunner a very accurate wind call if they plan on having a high hit percentage. So the dynamic between the two partners is important. But because overall time is important, if you have gun malfunctions, um, even if you have high hit percentage, it'll slow you down on that course. And the way points shake out is most of the top teams have very high hit percentage, so it comes down to time. And while it's not a fitness contest... You can't stop and fix things along the road. And because of that, we knew that the only way to be competitive was just to get through this thing as fast as possible and get as many hits as possible. But at, at the sign of any failure or malfunction, uh, you're basically out of the running in terms of competition. So my rifle did pretty good. Um, there, there were some issues that I still need to resolve, but my hit percentage was very high, and it didn't take a lot of shots to hit the targets. So I was kind of thinking in the mentality of shooting more like a bolt gunner as a gas gunner, and it worked pretty good. Um, we realized that, that when it comes to those matches, we lost a lot of points shooting pistols, and so some skill set um, investment time towards the pistol, the dynamic like reactive speed pistol shooting wasn't as competitive as the team that won, and they had put in a lot of effort and emphasis on that pistol, knowing that um, that was coming. 
and and uh, it was it was pretty awesome to see they just completely crushed life and um, it, it was it was you know well I'm super psyched for them so that that's pretty cool. But that, that's how I set those skills up for, for matches like that. I say, okay, you know, we go, we have fun, we perform, and then you reflect back. Like, where was our weakness? Well, the weakness was the pistol in this particular style. Now, I like long-range field shooting, but because we have to shoot some pistol, there's definitely going to be a chunk, a, a decent chunk of training now put towards that style because if that's where my points lost are coming from, it, it, you know, that's where the training needs to go back to to emulate that type of field match. Now, it's not IDPA or IPSC-style pistol shooting. It's field match pistol shooting, which is different. And if, and, if, and if people that are champions at that style, actually, like one of the guys that won um, the Bianchi Cup was there, and he, he did pretty good. I mean, he, obviously, he did great on the pistol stuff, but, you know, it's not enough to win these matches. If, if you're only good at that, you have to be good at everything, and the team that won is kind of, like, good at everything, which is pretty sick to see. But... Um, you know, I like that, that well-roundedness. And now I'm going to identify, you know, how to increase my speed, hit rate, and performance for those because I think that, you know, our, at least in terms of maintenance standards, the field match hit percentage and performance on those field stage was good enough that we could sustain those skills. Um, if we could raise our pistol skills, uh, we could be more competitive, more competitive n- next year. Right, so the idea here is that I want to be different next year. To be different, I have to change what I do, and what I don't do now is train enough pistol. So I'm going to go. I'm probably going to take some pistol classes. I'm going to talk to my pistol friends, and that doesn't mean I'm not a good pistol shooter. Uh, but in the context of these, I'm not good enough to have that sustain button. Right, I mean, I need to develop a plan that's different than what I do now, so that I'm different by next time. There's another field match that I'm not sure I'm going to go to called Team Safari in, in October. Uh, but, but you know, if the green light opens up to be able to attend that, then the training plan is to sustain rifle skills between now and then and improve pistol skills and develop a specific, you know, personalized training plan uh, between now and then. So for you, I would do the same thing. Focus on where your performance lapsed and we're talking about like you might be really into half pipe well if you lose your balance dropping in then work dropping in if your transitions aren't good then work transitions but make that specialized focused assessment based on your previous performances in the near term like what are your last three big matches and where were the points lost work on those particular elements and then go out and retest them at the next thing that's important to you. And that space-time continuum is very important to cyclically rotate back to. And if you just do what other people do, you're not going to get better, right? Not necessarily. You say, well, I heard Morgan King is the best because he travels around the country and shoots at all the matches so that he doesn't have a weakness compared to some other shooters who only perform in one little niche. It's like, yeah, but if all you did was go around to national matches all over the country, you'd just end up broke because you're not working the specific shooting skills that you need to be able to perform anywhere. So you need to focus back on the what's important everywhere first. Train that at a local level till you have an adequate performance, and then travel. Once you're at a high enough level where you can perform great here, now go somewhere else and try to match that same performance at a new place 
that'll raise your skill set. But if, if, if you do it in the wrong order, it's going to backfire. It's going to be expensive, and you literally won't get better. But if you identify the skills that you need to perform here and transfer those skills to somewhere else and then reflect on you know what didn't transfer and work those skills between here and there, and then when that gets up, then you say, okay, now these two places, this works. Let's go somewhere else. And it doesn't work in that new place. So then you go back, you raise the skills that need to be raised for those skills to transfer to that place. You're going to inch forward in a growth manner and not just kind of be lost and just fumbling and failing everywhere because that's very expensive and frustrating. It's hard to stay motivated. So remember, sound like a broken record at this point, but but where you want to go, that's space, and it takes time to get from here to there, and that's the time, and you want to make sure that that space-time adaptation is catered to you and your weaknesses and what you have to do to adjust to the left, to adjust to the right, and I think that most of that can be done at your house and your local range, at local matches, if you develop a good focused training plan where you're cycling back to where am I, where do I want to be, okay, what needs to change, do it. Then reassess. Have I changed in the right direction? Great. If that's working, keep it up. Measure again. If that plateaus, you need to change again. If you didn't get better, what you're doing isn't something that I would continue to do. So you want to constantly cycle back. Have I grown? Yes. Great. Keep doing that a little bit. Am I plateauing? I need to readjust. Did I not improve at all? Then, you know, even though somebody else might be doing that, I don't need to do that at all. And circle back and record it. Circle back and record it. And if you need direct help, there's classes that you can take from people. There's the classes that you can take with Frank and I. You can, be, you know, I can be your private coach. There's a lot. Or you can fire another private coach that can help you. And I can't say anything other than at this point, 20% of the people that have jumped on board this have shown 10% improvement at least, and the other 60% haven't done anything as an assessment to see if the training is working. But that's a big chunk, right? That's almost half that have in the first month shown progress. I think that we need to be able to hold ourselves accountable to, you know, are we producing results that people want? Are we producing gains and not just are we satisfying people, making them happy, oh, that was fun, whatever, but I didn't really get much. It's like saying we're quantifying these gains in the direction that they want to go. That's pretty exciting to me. So we got another one coming up in two weeks, and hopefully in the next two weeks I'll have some numbers from those people that haven't been assessed to see if there's growth, and we'll be able to have some feedback here and, and then discuss on what you might be able to do on your own if that's not something that you can afford or are interested in doing. How do you do it yourself? Really, it's the same idea. You, you analyze, you measure, and then you project where you want to be, and then you create a plan for adaptation. I need to be able to do this by then, and in order to do it, here's these pit stops along the road, and I need to quantify and measure that. That doesn't mean fishing around for what other people do. It means looking at what you aren't doing and just changing it, right? So don't be distracted by the herd mentality. The herd mentality is there to reinforce like economics. It's to reinforce, you know, that, that the mentality of, you know, half pipes are the only thing that matters, but there's a bigger world out there, right? You could go to a skate park, you could go ride in the street, but that, that falls back on what are your particular goals and how do you accomplish those particular goals despite the herd, right? 
So my attitude is kind of fuck the herd. I have goals and I'm going to get there whether the herd likes it or not. And, you know, I think this year I have six trophies. So I don't talk a lot about my particular goals uh, because they're mine. I talk about accomplishing goals and I like to use other people's successes because I like the idea that I can help you get to your goal and your goal might be different than mine. So um, I don't want you to come, you know, compete against me on my particular goals. I want you to just accomplish yours. And if they, if we cross paths, I'll be totally psyched for you. Um, Wholeheartedly psyched. And, but my goals are going to be different than everybody's. And, And particularly among shooters, like my goals typically are not standard and they don't line up with the normal kind of idea of that, which is totally fine with me. But the idea of you set a training plan and you check these marks along the path, that's something that's universal and we should be really excited for each other to accomplish that. But if you've got a good system, then you should be able to say, look, you know, if, 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 if I teach a thousand students a year and one of them does good, right, that's just luck, Two of them do good. That's just luck. Well, like one or two out of a thousand, right? But if you say, like, look, fifty percent of our students are accomplishing things at this standard, um, that that that's pretty amazing, right? And that's what I'm trying to go after. Because if this system doesn't work, I'm going to change it so that it does work. And it's, I use that same idea of adapt, measure, assess, adapt, measure, success. And 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 if we're not seeing the results in a massive level amongst people that that follow these programs they're going to adapt and adjust or they just will simply disappear. But at this point, um, you know, it's not statistically significant, but seeing those results, those are significant, right? 10% is significant. So, um, and that, that is pretty exciting. So I'm really psyched, come up with a better way to talk about that stuff. But I just wanted to give you an update because I've been away for a couple of weeks and <clears throat> I want to keep these podcasts coming out. I'm going to write a more detailed one to the subscribers on an email and hopefully in the next day or two, I'm going to go back to some talks about some specific fundamentals that I've seen carry over uh, among some other shooters and talk about those and how you can dry fire those at home because I'm circling back to dry firing at home as something that I really believe that everybody can do. But it's there's a tweak that you can do to some of your dry fire at home that I think you'll be able to measurably see a difference within maybe six to 10 sessions at your house. So I'm going to make a specific dry fire episode coming up here. And if you do it, I think that within six to 10 focus sessions, you'll be able to identify not only a weakness, but measure progress. So I'm excited to talk about that. Um, And then might get Chad Heckler to come talk about cleaning his rifle and, um, John Pinch on here to talk about some of the stuff that he's really amazing at. So anyway, hopefully things are going good and I'll talk to you soon.